Achieving net zero carbon emissions by 2050, which is needed to hold climate change, requires tripling the current rate of improvement in global energy efficiency. And to get there, people and governments and private companies have to change their mindset and think of energy efficiency not as a way to save money, but as a way to make a difference. Welcome to What Have We Learned? the Evaluation Podcast. I'm Jeff Chelsky, Manager of the Economic Management and Country Programs Unit in the Independent Evaluation Group of the World Bank Group, and I am your host for today's episode. Today we're going to talk about recent IEG work on World Bank Group support for energy efficiency. Energy efficiency is essentially about using less energy to do the same work. For example, energy efficient buildings that use less energy to heat, cool and run appliances or energy efficient manufacturing facilities that use less energy to produce goods. Boosting energy efficiency is critical for addressing climate change and has the potential to decouple growth from greenhouse gas emissions. The energy sector is estimated to account for more than two-thirds of total greenhouse gas emissions globally, and improving energy efficiency can contribute up to 40% in greenhouse gas reductions by 2030. Efforts to enhance energy efficiency have intensified in recent years and have the potential to increase energy security and contribute to job creation, productivity, and better health. IEG recently published an evaluation of World Bank Group support for enhancing demand-side energy efficiency. The evaluation looks at energy use by households, commercial and industrial firms, and by the public sector. This evaluation complements two earlier IEG evaluations, one on energy access and the other on renewable energy, which together focus on World Bank Group support for energy supply, including power generation and distribution. I'm joined today by Marie-Lisa Mota and Rama Chami, who led the production of IEG's energy efficiency evaluation. We're going to discuss what they found and the implications of their evaluation for World Bank efforts to enhance energy efficiency in developing economies. Marie-Lisa is manager of the Finance, Private Sector, Infrastructure, and Sustainable Development Evaluation Unit in IEG, and Rama is Senior Evaluation Officer in IEG and is the lead of the Energy Efficiency Evaluation. Welcome to you both. Marie-Lisa, maybe I'll start with you. Can you tell us a bit about what the World Bank Group does to support greater energy efficiency in developing economies? Thanks, Jeff. Sure. The importance of scaling up energy efficiency cannot be underestimated. Achieving net zero carbon emissions by 2050, which is needed to hold climate change, requires tripling the current rate of improvement in global energy efficiency. These, in turn, require closing a $500 billion annual gap in global investments in energy efficiency from approximately 300 billion in 2021 to 800 billion by 2030 and beyond. These gaps are big and require action at scale from the public and the private sector. The World Bank project supported changes to regulations such as tariff reforms, revisions to building codes, introduction of energy standards for appliances, through development policy operations. The bank also provided loans directly to state-owned enterprises to retrofit their buildings. 
for example, in India, Uzbekistan, and Armenia. MIGAS guarantees also support the retrofitting of buildings, especially of large public hospitals and clinics, for example, in Turkey. The IFC finance loans to private companies, being the private arm of the World Bank Group, to retrofit their buildings or to buy energy-efficient equipment, for example, in Bangladesh and in Eastern Europe. The IFC also provided advisory services to help private companies adopt energy efficiency standards, such as the EDGE standard, for example, where EDGE stands for Excellence in Design for Greater Efficiency. Finally, the IFC, together with other partners, also issued green bonds, which promoted the use of green building standards in several companies. These are companies that needed to meet the standards to qualify for green construction financing through the green bonds. This happened, for example, in Colombia. Now, these examples are part of the portfolio that the IG evaluation reviewed and assessed. The portfolio includes about 400 projects in 82 countries that were worth about 18 billion and were approved between 2011 and 2020. Great, thanks, it's very clear. Rama, your valuation finds that the World Bank Group has been effective overall in its energy efficiency interventions, but has not succeeded at scaling them up. Can you explain a, a bit what this means and say a bit about what worked well and what prevented wider impact? Thank you, Jeff. I will focus on the first part of the question and let Marilisa address the matter relating to scaling up. The evaluation indeed finds that the World Bank Group's individual projects have been effective overall at supporting energy efficiency across the public and private sectors. World Bank's lending initiatives were mostly effective in achieving energy savings and in reducing carbon emissions, which are related. IFC investments had mixed results, but this was partly because they set overly ambitious targets in some cases, but the pairing of IFC investment and its advisory services worked very well. The evaluation also finds that the World Bank Group's projects targeted sectors that needed energy efficiency solutions the most. And these sectors are the industrial segment and buildings. The evaluation also found that the World Bank and IFC projects were effective when they worked jointly in a country. And this was clearly the case in India, in Colombia, and in Vietnam, where various interventions from the two institutions helped mobilize private sector funds and create energy efficiency markets, which is a very crucial requirement. Another point I would like to mention is that the evaluation also found that the World Bank Group's lending worked particularly well when it was provided in combination with co-financiers, such as the Global Environment Facility, commonly known as GEF, the Clean Technology Fund, the Green Climate Fund, and other development banks. So it's nice to have a facility named after me. Um, <laughs> okay, good, very clear, thanks. Uh, Maria-Lisa? Yeah, thank you, Rama and Jeff. So the other side of the coin is indeed that the World Bank Group has not been successful at scaling up its intervention. 
World Bank Group projects were overall successful, as Rama said, but one at a time. Now, as the evaluation mentions, scale up occurs in two ways. One is vertically. For example, retrofitting hundreds of buildings after initially retrofitting only a few. And the second one is horizontally. For example, introducing energy efficiency measures along supply chains. If we take, for example, the construction sector, this means introducing energy efficiency measures in the production of cement, in the transport of cement, in the construction then of the buildings. Both vertical and horizontal scale-up are important. But horizontal scale-up is particularly critical as it facilitates the adoption of energy efficiency solutions across different sectors. So, for example, transport, agriculture, water, construction. And therefore, it facilitates the reduction of indirect emissions. And not just the emissions that come out from heating or cooling a specific building. These are really the emissions that happen along the supply chain and that we need to reduce to scale up. Now, on your question, Jeff, on what prevented scale up and achievement of wider impact, the evaluation identifies three factors. The first one is that clients asked the bank group for support on electricity generation, actually, much more than on energy efficiency. The second is that some countries have below cost energy prices, which act as a disincentive for adopting energy efficiency measures. And the third factor is that socio-economic outcomes of energy efficiency interventions, for example, job creation, increasing productivity of the private companies, but also state-owned enterprises, are often not measured in World Bank group projects, which reduces the relevance of energy efficiency interventions. So it's a bit of a vicious circus because we don't measure enough, then we don't communicate the benefits of energy efficiency interventions to governments, and so governments continue to focus on electricity generation much more than energy efficiency. So in the evaluation, did you find examples of success in scaling up energy efficiency that can help serve as models for future support? Uh, indeed, Jeff. And we have uh, good examples both for the World Bank and for the IFC. For the World Bank, one effort that stands out is the India Energy Scale-Up Program, which is a successful example of vertical scale-up. The project helped to create a risk-sharing facility, which was an innovation, and the project allowed 5,000 micro, small, and medium enterprises to introduce energy efficiency solutions. An example that stands out for IFC is its support to the textile sector in Bangladesh. And here, the project succeeded in helping horizontal scale up. As the project helped the actors of the entire textile industry chain, including spinning, weaving, and wet processing, to adopt cleaner production practices all through the sequence. There are several other successful examples of joint, vertical, and horizontal scale up. And among these, I would mention an IFC project in Eastern Europe, which supported the adoption of energy efficiency standards, such as EDGE, which is an acronym for excellence and design for greater efficiencies in over 100 stores, but also in the whole logistic fleet carrying goods to this 
stores that are part of a retail chain. SMAP, which is another acronym for an institution or a World Bank global program that supports sustainable energy, energy solutions, has been effective at promoting some horizontal scale-up across sectors, including the transport sector. IFC and MEGA, which is the third unit of the World Bank Group's uh, umbrella, have been particularly successful at helping clients introduce EDGE, the certification program that I mentioned, and other green building standards in various countries. And these are important preconditions for scaling up. I admire your command of acronyms. Um, <laughs> thanks. Now, IEG's mandate, uh, raison d'etre, is to help the institution, the World Bank Group, have more impact to be better. So if you were in the driver's seat and you could make the decisions on how things would be run, what would you do to improve the reach of World Bank Group's support for energy efficiency? Thanks, Jeff. So first of all, I think it is very important to underline that the key condition to scale up on energy efficiency and to make a difference is a change of mindset, moving from a focus on energy savings to a broader explicit outlook on decarbonization to reduce climate change. As you said at the beginning, energy efficiency can contribute up to 40% in greenhouse gas reduction by 2030. And to get there, people and governments and private companies have to change their mindset and think of energy efficiency not as a way to save money, but as a way to make a difference, to make a dent in climate change. So that has to be in the back of our mind as we think about what else more practically the World Bank can do to support energy efficiency. The evaluation identifies four specific uh, factors. The first one is demonstrating to government the impact of energy efficiency solutions, including on their climate-related benefits, as well as the socioeconomic benefits that I mentioned earlier, creating jobs, increasing productivity. In the evaluation, we specifically recommend the World Bank Group staff include these outcomes in energy efficiency projects, as currently they are rarely mentioned. The second factor that the evaluation identifies is to improve the overall regulatory environment for energy efficiency, including supporting the introduction of new laws and policies that create the incentive to increase investment, public and private investment in energy efficiency, but also incentives for governments, companies and people to adopt energy efficiency practices. Third, evaluation also finds that it is important to target the right countries, industries, and the right firms. These are middle-income countries, lower-middle-income countries that are growing fast in energy-intensive sectors, firms that operate in hard-to-abate industries, such as chemical, for example, cement production, or agri-processing, and also state-owned companies, state-owned enterprises. Actually, these are particularly important for vertical scale-up, as states own several buildings that can be green. They can start with 10 and then move to 100, 1,000, and 10,000. And then fourth, 
Another critical factors that come out of the analysis is the use of digital and financial innovation, especially in the countries that are low middle income, but that have energy intensive sectors that are growing very fast. So let me ask you about the last point. You, you, you talked about digital and financial innovation as something that can extend the reach and impact of World Bank Group support for energy efficiency. What specifically are you thinking of? Yeah, I'll take that one, uh, Jeff. When we talk of digital and financial innovation, we are really talking about taking advantage of internet technology, smartphone technology, computers, and using sensors, smart meters, all the modern technologies that you can combine to collect data regarding energy consumption and energy efficiency and feed it back both to policymakers and to users. The effect that this will have is that policymakers will become more aware of the importance of energy efficiency and the cost savings that can produce. And beneficiaries can be incentivized when they get that information. So the idea is for developing countries to leapfrog from their current status by learning from advanced countries. And high-income countries can provide solutions that can be a useful reference for both middle and lower middle-income countries. And an example is using cloud-based software systems such as the O-Power system, which allows customers to receive information on their level of energy efficiency and energy use relative to similar homes and in a target zone, in a simple graphical way, which essentially has the effect of incentivizing them to save energy. Examples of financial innovation include blended finance solutions and the creation of risk-sharing facilities, like the one I mentioned, in the context of the World Bank's uh, India project, and partial credit risk guarantees, such as the ones that the World Bank has supported in Colombia, in India, Turkey, and Uzbekistan. As I also mentioned earlier, 5,000 micro, small, and medium enterprises benefited from the World Bank's risk sharing facility in India. Several state-owned enterprises in Uzbekistan benefited from banks' loans to green their equipment. And Turkey developed from a scratch a leasing market for energy efficiency thanks to IFC's pilot blended finance project. So that's to give you a feel of both digital and financial innovation that's been supported by the World Bank Group. So last question, I always save my favorite question till the end. IEG is the independent evaluation group and it assesses what the institution does. So. How were your findings received from the World Bank Group management? Was there anything they disagreed with, particularly agreed with? What's your assessment of the outcome? Yes, uh, indeed, Jeff. In this case, they very much welcomed the analysis and the findings of the evaluation. They agreed with all uh, recommendations. Uh, they confirmed that scaling up energy efficiency is a priority for them and uh, welcomed our suggestions to accelerate the process. They agreed, as I mentioned, with all recommendations. They did caution us, however, on one of them, which suggested that the World Bank Group should measure indirect emissions, which are the emissions that occur in different sectors along supply chains in all of its projects. They cautioned us and said, 
this is important. We agree, but it's a complex endeavor and will require some time. Now, I lied. I do have one last question. So IEG has a fairly formal process for following up on its recommendations. I believe it's called the Management Action Review, the MAR. So what happens next with this evaluation and its findings? So the first thing that will happen is that we'll have a chance to discuss the findings with World Bank Group Management. We are organizing, in fact, an event with colleagues from the bank, the IFC and also MIGA, to discuss um, the analysis, the findings, the recommendations, and also and especially how they can be implemented. And then, as you mentioned, through this MAR process, the implementation of the recommendations will be tracked down the road. And management will let us know what they have implemented and how things are going and if there's something they cannot implement and for which reason. And overseeing all of this will be the executive board that tracks this. Indeed. Excellent. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank my guests, Marielisa and Rama, for sharing the findings of their evaluation on the World Bank Group's support for demand-side energy efficiency. This has been the Evaluation Podcast, What Have We Learned? And I am your host, Jeff Chelsky. Until next time, and in keeping with today's theme, uh, please try to do more with less. Thank you.